Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about new efforts in Chicago to ban neonicotinoids and also the recent EPA conference call about glyphosate. So I'd first like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hi, June. How are you? We uh, are on the tail end of our Arctic cold front. It was 14 below zero Saturday morning, but it's warming up now with downslope winds, what we call Chinooks or snow eaters. Um, This cold spell is going to be hard on the bees, I'm afraid. Uh, The smaller clusters won't make it through these cold spells. and Some people are probably wondering why I focus on the weather as much as I do, but the weather is the setting in which we work and how it goes. It affects us dramatically. And I tell the people in the beekeeping class that they have to think like a bee. And thinking like a bee, you're always looking at the weather and what it may hold for you. So we're coming out of a deep cold spell. Tom, traditionally, well, I shouldn't say traditionally because it's nothing traditional anymore, but let's go back a decade. What were winters like for you as a commercial beekeeper? What did you expect to happen once the spring came around? Well, we were always concerned about the weather, and extreme weather events can have an effect even for the healthiest colonies of bees. But here in Colorado, along the front range of the Rockies, uh, we really have pretty good winter weather. We have periodic cold spells, but we also have periodic warm spells where the bees can take a cleansing flight, get out and work the muscles a little bit. Um A a good colony of bees can go through these cold spells and weather these below zero temperatures without any real loss. And so we would expect uh, losses on the order of 2 to 5%. What we're seeing now are are losses that are way beyond 60%. And uh, part of the reason is that the bees are going into the winter underpopulated and they just don't have the mass to generate sufficient survival temperature within the winter cluster. And another bit of uh, science emerged just within the past few days that's very concerning, and that is that one of the effects of the neonicotinoid family of pesticides is it compromises the bees' thermoregulation, their ability to regulate and generate heat. So... It's just not good wherever you look. It's just not good. Well, at least there is effort being made in Chicago by Alderman Ray Lopez, who is taking a step towards the right direction when it comes to banning neonicotinoids. And I think 
even though we've been talking about this for so many years, finally we have somebody who is taking action and is looking to make Chicago an example for other cities in America. It certainly is good news, and uh, they seem to have some understanding of what the problems are here. I don't know who's informing the alderman or whether he's taken it upon himself to be informed, but he's getting a pretty good grasp of what the problems are. And it's difficult to be critical of something like this for fear of sounding ungrateful, but this is just a small part of it, and as I read the article, and I'm assuming that the article is fairly accurate, this will limit some of the uses, but many of the uses will continue. And for certified pesticide applicators, for example, which covers a wide range of people, nothing will change. And these are such pernicious chemicals that you can't just ban them partially. You can't withdraw them from the market partially. They're just widespread and very, very poisonous. So I commend what Chicago is doing. Before I judge, I guess I'd have to know just who is going to be restricted from using it and who isn't. Well, from what I understand, he is encouraging retailers to be proactive and remove any existing product that they have for sale, but also he's saying that point blank these chemicals are in applications that are seeping into the the different bodies of water that are getting into the rivers and the stormwater systems. So that's something that is not often acknowledged by elected officials. So I think he's whoever's educating him about these chemicals is really doing a great job. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people out there who have no idea what the impact is. They keep repeating the same rhetoric that industry has so creatively spun, which does not address the issue as far as its direct impact on not only our honeybees, but our pollinators as a whole. So... I think what he's doing is definitely a step in the right direction. But I agree with you, Tom. There needs to be widespread action. He does mention DDT and DDT. Tom, you lived through that. Yes, I did. Yes. How long did it take them to ban DDT? Well, DDT appeared uh, in the 40s during the Second World War, and it was banned, I believe, in 1972, uh, partly in response to Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, which came out in 1962. These systemic pesticides, these neonicotinoids, should have been removed from the market 20 years ago. We can go all the way back to 2003 with clothianidone, and this is one of the worst, one of the most widely used, one of the most damaging, and it was rushed to the market not because it was a novel chemical, to address a brand new pest outbreak, but it appears that it was rushed to the market without adequate uh, assessment because Bayer's patent was about to run out on imidacloprid. So clothianidin was rushed to the market to protect Bayer's market share. We need to start focusing on the source of these problems, which in large part is the EPA. 
they will keep throwing us these spot fires to put out and occupy our energy and our income and our attention forever. We need to cut it off at the source, I believe. Well, it brings us to the next topic, which is about the conference call that EPA held in regards to glyphosate. Once again, there's so much information out there about glyphosate. Why is EPA dragging this out? Well, they're dragging it out because they're looking for excuses, not answers. And there have been some very critical assessments of this uh, hearing that they had. Uh, an inordinate amount of time went to the industry advocates, whereas a limited amount of time went to those who wanted to speak to the contrary. This uh, People need to begin to understand that the EPA gives every appearance of being just another division of the chemical industry. There's no other way to explain their conduct than that. They're just carrying out the directions of their chemical handlers. Uh, I have said before, I'm hesitant to be too critical. They may be doing wonderfully in other areas of their responsibility, but in the pesticide arena, they are part of the problem, and that needs to be addressed. I don't know what this new regime is going to bring. It could make it worse, but it would be hard to make it much worse than it already is. Well, when you have an agency that has been created to protect not only just the environment, but the people, the animals, so on and so forth, and it fails to do its job over and over again, and always seems to be very interested in what industry has to say, but yet when it comes to the beekeeping community, the beekeepers are either the last to be informed or they're not even heard. It seems as though the cards are not necessarily stacked for the beekeeper, but more or less against them. And it's just not a very fair system that they run. EPA really needs to start taking an internal look at how they're operating and the problems that they have because you're talking about so many chemicals that are contaminating the environment, killing so many animals, not to mention the impact on human health. And it brings the same question, how many people have to die before they do something? Why does it always have to boil down to that? Well, the EPA is not going to take a look at itself. I think history makes that very clear. If there's going to be scrutiny of the EPA, it's going to have to come from the outside. The EPA management, at least in the pesticide portion of it, has been corrupted with industry people, and they're making decisions which are in favor of the chemical industry, but to the detriment of the environment and the people. If it's going to be reformed, that reformation is going to have to come from outside. And the buck stops with Congress. And where is Congress? I've asked that question before. And where is Congress? They've exercised... They're always on recess. They've exercised no intelligent management over this situation whatsoever. Well, Tom, next year should be a very interesting year, as you pointed out, but... What would you like to see done? I would like to see a very uh, thorough examination of the conduct of the EPA over the past 20 years because I believe that what they have done borders on criminality. These aren't gray areas. They have taken steps which are, well, in the beekeeping world, they have taken steps to subvert federal law through administrative decisions which 
make policy decisions which, which provide for the violation of the law. A good example of that, and one that people would probably be more familiar with, is the 48-hour notice rule. And that is that if you're going to spray some product that's potentially damaging to the bees, you are supposed to notify the beekeeper 48 hours beforehand. Now, this puts the burden on the back of the beekeeper to stay out of harm's way. And uh, the fact that you would have to notify the beekeeper means that it would also be dangerous to other pollinators, other insects, which the EPA is equally bound to protect. So what the EPA has done is it, it's made an administrative ruling which would provide for the continuation of the crime. I know of no other crime where the victims, the targets, are expected to go to extraordinary lengths to get out of harm's way so that the crime can continue. And that's exactly what the EPA is, has done. And has anybody other than the beekeepers and some of the helpful NGOs like the Center for Food Safety, has anyone raised that question? Not to my knowledge. The EPA just moves merrily, merrily along, cir circumventing its basic responsibilities under the federal law, and nobody holds them to account. EPA just issued a press release in which they prohibit 72 inert ingredients from used in pesticides. Now, this is a very interesting list of ingredients, and it makes you wonder, why are they taking this action? They claim that the EPA is taking this action in response to petitions by the Center for Environmental Health, Beyond Pesticides, Physicians for Social Responsibility, and others. These groups asked the agency to issue a rule requiring disclosure of 371 inert ingredients found in pesticide products. Instead, EPA will evaluate potential risks of inert ingredients and reduce, and reduce risks as appropriate. What does that mean, as appropriate? As appropriate according to industry or as appropriate to enough people haven't died yet? They, uh, you know, that's bureaucratese. It's impossible for them to say anything without some weasel words in there that give them the opportunity to skinny out from whatever it was they said previously. Uh, however, I, I haven't read this in any detail. I've just skimmed it right now. This could be a, a positive step. It could be a step in the right direction because there has been a great deal of concern over inert ingredients supposedly inert ingredients and the role that they may play in the toxicity of these pesticides. So perhaps this is a step in the right direction. I, I don't know. Well, I think 72 out of, what did they say, 371? That's, uh, that's not really many. I read something just recently that there are 80,000 chemicals out Good there God. that are in use. It's just astounding. We're just in a soup of chemicals. Are they trying to kill us? I, don't, I think that's irrelevant. I don't know. The press release goes on to say, most pesticide products contain a mixture of different ingredients, ingredients that are directly responsible for controlling pests, such as insects or weeds, are called active ingredients. 
An inert ingredient is any other substance that is intentionally included in a pesticide that is not an active ingredient. If you'd like to review this list, folks, go to regulations.gov forward slash document, and if you just do a quick search, you should find that available. But um, I, I guess a response is better than no response. Are we at the point where we're basically accepting, I don't know, crumbs from the toaster as sustenance? Well, we're certainly suspicious of that. I think uh, I'd like to hear from some of those uh, groups that press this, this issue what they think of this decision. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, in a couple of weeks, the Western Beekeepers Conference is coming up. And they have quite a number of speakers. Tom, do you know who's going to be who's going to be speaking? Well, they're going to have two keynote speakers: uh, Jonathan Lundgren and Jeffrey Pettis. And uh, Jeffrey Pettis was the research leader for the Agricultural Research Service until a year, two years ago, when he was apparently demoted. They didn't present it that way, but he was removed from that position. Apparently, he is. Uh, the rumor is that he is leaving uh, the USDA, the ARS, and has taken a private position. So he will be the other keynote speaker. And from the the short blurb that announces that, it looks like he's going to speak much more candidly about the neonicotinoids. So that those will be two very uh, informative speakers, I think. I can only imagine the Lifetime original movie that would come out of that especially all that he's been through? Well, these are two, uh, essentially two whistleblowers who have been forced out of their their positions with the federal government because they express concerns about what's taking place. Yeah, it's called, it's called taking pride in your job and doing the right thing. And it's a shame that more people don't follow their example. Dr. Jonathan Lundgren really stepped up to the plate and he risked everything. And he dealt with the blows that he was given, and he's still fighting. I think he's really a hero when it comes to this battle. And Dr. Pettis, the same thing. He really stood his ground, and he did the best that he could, and they really did a phenomenal job trying to keep him quiet. And it's a shame because the man works very hard, and he knows his stuff. And it's it's a shame that people are no longer rewarded for hard work integrity and ethics and instead all that matters is the bottom line it has to be a difficult position for these people who have to put their career on the line for what they believe in but this is going to be a joint convention of the american honey producers and the american beekeeping federation and those are those are the two keynote speakers and it should be very interesting for those who are able to attend Tom, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today, and I'd like to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. And folks, for those of you that do celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, and if you celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. As challenging as these issues are, June, this is the time of the year to focus on the people we love and gather them close, and I hope everybody has a great Christmas. Folks, tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. If you have any questions for us, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. 
Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.